how is the moving stuff going? Oh my goodness, it is going. It's going. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is already in Las Vegas. So I'm like essentially camping in my apartment right now. So I really feel (laughs) your whole box struggle, you know? Yes, I am currently living off of basically on a mattress because all my stuff has also been shipped to Philly and I miss my bed (laughs) and I miss being a little bit more functional than where I am right now. So I get it. Just this weird transition period, but I'm running out of clean clothes. So weird. Yeah. So close though. Well, um, I guess we can start, but hello everyone. Welcome back to Bundle of Hers. Um, today you have me, Lena, hosting this episode and I have a very, um, special guest. She's a friend of mine. She is also just graduated. So hi, congrats, doctor. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> In today's episode, um, I really will just kind of let Caitlin share her story, but we wanted to share with you all the struggles that come with feeling like a failure in medical school, in graduating, and kind of further on from that. But we'll kind of start off just kind of, Caitlin, share your story. Okay. Hi, everybody. Um, I guess I just first want to say thank you so much, Lena, for having me on the podcast. Um I have been a fan of Bundle of Hers since I first started listening in like first or second year of medical school. Mm-hmm. I don't, you'll have such unique perspectives and life stories. And I feel like you're so brave to like share those perspectives and talk about such important things in medicine. Um, and I just, I admire the work that you're doing. So it's really an honor to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I just really appreciate it. Oh my God, it's honor. It's an honor to have you. Like you also bring a great perspective and I'm glad that we're sharing it with everyone today. No, well, thank you for having me on. So I guess I can kind of start with my story. Is that kind of what we were, we were thinking, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'll just kind of introduce myself again. I'm Caitlin. Um, like Lena said, we are friends, classmates, um, just graduated fourth years, which makes us doctors, which is a very weird thing to say out loud. Um, I am from a very rural area and uh, in North Idaho, like near the border of kind of Canada. I didn't grow up with a ton of like mentors in medicine um, kind of because of that. And I think that potentially led to me having like a harder time getting into medical school at first. So it took me a few tries to get into medical school And um, I did finally get accepted uh, on my third try, which uh, was very exciting. Third try for the win. (laughs) Third try for the charm. (laughs) Yes. Um, So that was like the start of my medical school career was like trying and trying and trying and feeling like you're just banging on a door to get in and then you finally get in. And I kind of knew when I started medical school after having that time to reflect from going through that application process multiple times that I was potentially interested in OBGYN and obstetrics and gynecology. So I did all of the things that you kind of do throughout medical school to prepare an application for residency, being involved in um, research and volunteer opportunities and leadership stuff. So working with underserved patient populations in the community through the 4th Street Gynecology Clinic here, being a part of American Medical Women's Association and um, Medical Students for Choice. And then I did some research in 
the obstetrics and gynecology realm, uh, looking at like mental health and looking at different like um, healthcare disparities within that kind of like within the women's health realm of things. Um, so I kind of did all of those things. And then in third year, or I guess it was the beginning of fourth year, but I did a couple different away rotations to bolster my application. Um, did well at those away rotations, got a letter from one leading up to um, ERAS application, got my ERAS application turned in, and then you get interviews. And this is like, now you're getting into like the middle of fourth year. So I think I got, I would say I got probably like an average amount of interviews for our OB cohort, um, just from what I had gathered from talking to people. With the caveat being like, I think OBGYN has been a particularly competitive specialty, as you know, Lena, um, the last two years. And so I think that none of us really had enough interviews to feel like, quote unquote, like comfortable with the match. Kind of like with that caveat in mind, I feel like I had like about an average amount of interviews. Well, you do your interviews, you make your rank list, and then finally you get to match week at the end of your fourth year in March. And the Monday of match week, I got that dreaded email that um, said, you know, we are sorry, you didn't match to any program. That comes with like a lot of, (laughs) a lot of emotions. (laughs) One of the hardest things about that week is that you have to like, you really have to like stuff those emotions down and you have like no time to process them because you just have to produce to start going through what we call the SOAP, the supplemental offer application process, which is essentially where, you know, every program that doesn't match spots and has open spots sends out a list and then you choose, uh, you choose which programs on the list to apply to. Kind of to paint a picture of like where these emotions come from leading up to this, you know, um, it's like a ton of work, all of this, like your 20 plus years of educational experience plus, you know, other years of life experience all to reach this moment. And then to be, to kind of feel like maybe now I actually won't get to do what I thought I was going to be able to do. The soap process starts on Monday and uh, you are given this list and you have to choose which programs to apply to. I then had to choose 45 programs and create like subsequently 45 personalized personal statements for these programs to send out. That's like really the first 24 hours. And then in the next two days, you field phone calls um, from places that have gotten your, your application. (laughs) Um, And it's like, it's really scary. (laughs) Uh, And like, thankfully you're like primed a little bit by having already gone through interview season, but it's still a very, kind of disconcerting thing to get a phone call from someone who'll just call you up and say, Hey, like this is so-and-so from such and such program. Why do you want to come to us? Or like, why do you think you soaked or like any question that they want out of the blue? And there's no time to prepare like the other interviews that you've done before. I went through those two days. I got some phone calls. um, And then on Thursday you're offered, there's like four different rounds where you're offered a position or not. Uh, and then if you're offered multiple in one round, you can like pick between those, but you can't go back like each subsequent round. You can't like go back to the offers prior to if you were, you know, like if you didn't like the offer your first round. They're kind of putting you in like a very tough spot, right? And like one, everything is kind of 
basically months and months of like preparation gets put down to a couple days, right? Her couple hours even to send out that application. And also making that decision is also just to those like couple hours. So yeah, wow, it that's a lot. A very stressful process. <laughs> and like absolutely no time to kind of like go through the feelings. So I think we as a cohort, you know, we're like advised to be prepared for the soap process just based on how competitive OBGYN was this last year. But there's really no like, I don't know, I think like a long way, at least I feel like I got reassurance about my application and was told like I would probably be fine. It's hard because you really, there's really like no way to prepare yourself for something like that, even if you are like prepped to be prepared, you know? So like there's yeah. a lot of shock in that initial email. Yeah, of course. And I, I feel kind of where I was, you do all the things. And like you mentioned, Caitlin, you do all the things, you prepare all the things, you, you make sure that you checked every box that you need to check, that you put yourself in a position like, oh yeah, yeah, this can happen. But none of us really, it just, it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense that this could happen because you did what was quote unquote required of you. You did what you needed to do. And so I feel like in a sense, like I was in the same place. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, there's a possibility. Like we're all told that there's a possibility that you don't match, but we're all in the same place that just like, it doesn't make sense. Like why we wouldn't, right? Well, and that was exactly the thing. Like I think one of the biggest feelings that came up initially was like, disbelief, right? You're like, how, yeah. how could I be a part of a system that, I mean, you give up so many things for like birthdays, holidays, you move far away from family, you go far away from your friends, your family, like you, you just give up all these things, your time, blood, sweat, tears, like everything. And then you're like, how could I possibly be in a system that puts me in this situation where I've proven myself again and again to be competent and like ready to do this and like to show that I really care about this and have a passion for this. And then given a, a maybe like, well, maybe I'll match. Like maybe we'll give you a job now after all that. It's weird. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's yeah. really no other career that asks that of you. Right. Yeah. And it feels a lot of times, at least I remember talking to people who are not in medicine and it's like, oh, well, I'm still not guaranteed a job after all of this. And like the pure shock in people's faces, I'm like, what? <laughs> are you serious? And I think it's important to recognize that this never comes like from the failure of us or like shortcomings on our part, right? This is a system thing. This is a failure of a system. This is a system where there are far too many applicants and not enough seats to take in those applicants, whether like getting into medical school or getting into residency. I mean, I applied to medical school three times as well, got in my third time. So <laughs> at the time, same thing. I was being told like, don't take it personally. It's a lottery system. But also like, we kind of know that if you have more resources, more connections, you will be able to get past the, so a lot of those lottery bridges or blocks or whatever, right? You did even more of the work. You didn't even more what was required. You're already in the system in medical school. So then to get into a place where they're like, oh, there's just not enough positions. So figure out what you want to do, whether that be soap research or something else, you are still halted from what you want to do, right? And so it's very hard. I feel like I, I got to a place where like even just getting into medical school, it was very hard for me not to take it personally 
and to feel like, oh, this was something that I did or something that I didn't do enough of, right? And I remember the week leading up to match or even just like all the time that I was being told like, oh, you still might not match. It's like, I should have done something else or should have done more, right? It was very hard not to still take it personally. Right. No, I think there's a lot of like internalization kind of of those, that failure feeling, Mm -hmm. even if it's not right, you know, like even if it's not real. Right. (laughs) And I think during Soap Week, I feel like, so we all kind of like came to the Dean's Office of Academic Affairs and I ended up sitting with a few other students who were soaping. I remember hearing them talk about other factors that they were considering in, in building their list to apply to, you know, like partners who had to take licensing exams and could only do that in certain states um, or like kids with special needs who um, they were looking for a state that had resources for those kids uh, that they could apply to. And I remember just feeling like two things. One, like amidst all this like despair, anguish, like fear, disbelief, shock, all these negative feelings, also feeling incredibly lucky that like I was as mobile as I was. And then also like this rage at the injustice of it, you know, because I was like, (laughs) how could this system, like, I feel personally wrong, but like, now I'm angry for these, these classmates who are like incredible people who have also put all this work and time in. And you just feel this like, like, how could we live in a system that puts us in this situation, you know? And I think that's a question that I've asked myself and like, will continue to think about moving forward is like, how do we fix this? Because this is such a problem. Well, yeah, exactly. How can we be in a system that is not really setting us up for success? I mean, this happens every year and the numbers keep getting worse every year. Like I was just looking at numbers from this year and 2,600 applicants did not match. That's, that's, that's a very large number. Like that's a lot of people who, like you mentioned just a few of our classmates, but thinking just like across the nation, the amount of people who have like put their blood, sweat, tears and everything. And at the end of the day, they had amazing applications and there's not enough positions. And that's, again, that's the system itself. What was it like in the past 20 years or several decades. I don't know the number to be exact, but we've only been approved for an increase in like residency spots like once, I think that was like a crazy number like this. And that once was only for like 200 spots across the nation. The people who are not matching are increasing every year and OBGYN specifically also like we were told from the beginning, oh, there's a 20% unmatch rate. And you're like, that's still a large number to like, yeah. Again, putting in all the effort and all kind of like what we work on and to get to a place where like, that's just the way it is. Deal with it. Right. It's so wild. And I think you mentioned this earlier, and I just think there are so many people in the community that really don't know about this. Like, I remember having like a similar conversation with my family and being like, well, I might not get this job at the end of the day. Like, or like, they'll be like, oh, like you need to, you'll get to pick where you go. Right. And you just kind of are like, no, like absolutely not, which is such a wild concept for most people, I think, applying to any sort of job. And I also think it's like something that I was peripherally aware of going into medical school, but that a lot of us didn't become aware of until later on. 
you get the rug pulled out from underneath you when you learn about this situation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, just kind of like going off of soap, I think people can either find just like an overview, people find either like a transitional year position or a preliminary year position, right? It usually isn't in the specialty that applicants are originally going for. I mean, you matched into a surgery prelim position, right? But you still kind of have to go through the process of the match again this year. And that's what a lot of people end up having to do who go unmatched their first time. Other options I know, like research years or some other clinical year, they tell you that there's like multiple ways that you can go about this, but ultimately you're trying, you're entering that system again. You're entering the cycle of match again you know, you become one of those non-traditional applicants, right? Which we started out as, but I was just thinking of how, how much like they tell you, oh no, you're good. You have all these options. Don't worry. But we are already in a system that makes it seem going the non-traditional route is bad, right? Like you're not successful. Like this isn't good enough. Like you didn't go the normal, the quote unquote successful way. And so you're put in the spot where I'm like, oh yeah, I have these options, but I'm still not good enough because I have these options. I feel like the non-traditional word is like, it's kind of like a trigger word for me after and probably for you too. (laughs) Cause I I saw it in your eyes when you said (laughs) non-traditional, like there was this glint. Um, it does. It feels very triggering, like, because that's what you are when you, like, have applied once to medical school and, like, not gotten in or taken a few years off or whatever. And so I think there's, like, this aspect of, not to be dramatic, but, like, this re-traumatization of, <laughs> of a past feeling of failure. It does make your options moving forward feel like they're kind of tinged with this, like, film of shame, you know? it's really hard to sit and talk about like, why did you soak? You know, like I remember like being asked that during soap week and especially during that time when I hadn't had any time to process, it was like, it it felt like an impossible (laughs) question because it wasn't something that I had like really been able to talk about that much. It really does make those options moving forward feel not as good. Yes. I was really lucky. I think during soap week too get a preliminary surgery position uh, at this great little program in Las Vegas. And I have a program director who is very, really supportive. And I think it's like a place that I'm really going to grow and is either going to prepare me very well to be an OBGYN, which is my hope in the future. Or, you know, if that is not the path that ends up coming out in the wash for me, then I, you know, will prepare me well to continue on in surgery. But I think like, I think like moving forward, it doesn't feel, I don't know, it it feels daunting, one, to have to go through that process again, but two, to have to like answer that question again and again on the interview trail of like, why? Yeah. Why do you think you soaked? Especially when you're given all this feedback and so like reassurance throughout the application cycle that they're like, actually, no, you have a really strong application. We think you're going to do just fine. I think it's very unfair for them to expect you to answer that question. Like they're kind of putting the blame on you in a sense. Like, oh, why, why do you think you so, or, you know, and I think, I think that's a very unfair question to be asked. It feels unfair. (laughs) I mean, like it's expected, I guess, like just because we know how this works. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it doesn't. 
feel good. And I'm like, I'm very worried about being able to, I don't know, to be able to talk about it and not like feel super emotional about it. You know, I will say like, luckily I have been in touch with some people who have gone through this process before. Um, And so this has been like really key in, I don't know, dispelling some of the shame that I felt about it is like really listening to other people talk about, which is another reason that I feel like this is an important topic to talk about. But I have heard at least in OB because of how competitive it's gotten that this person who had soaped before had mentioned like most programs at least don't look at it as like a bad thing that you soaped because they are aware of the situation. So that really relieved me of some stress about that, even though I think like it's still going to be really hard to answer that question. Yeah. I'm hoping that that's like, going to hold true for me in this next cycle yeah but it is hard especially when like it's like yeah I don't know it's still an unknown it's still out there I still have to go through that process because we're still trying to get out of kind of this failure mindset and like I felt like throughout all of fourth year and interview season there were a lot of feelings of you know, maybe I'm not good enough because I did start out non-traditional kind of in a sense I don't have maybe everything that needs for like success, right? Or I just felt like in general, I just felt like I wasn't good enough. And I think that starts from kind of feeling um, from the beginning and how I started medical school. And then just always there's that aspect of, you know, non-traditional is bigger than just like, you know, taking a different like path in your years of like applying or getting to medical school or gap years. But it also like goes beyond being part of the minority, being part of the minority population that are like medical students, right? Or residents and looking different, speaking different, having a different background, right? Like I am the first in all of my family and my parents' families to even be anywhere close to medicine, right? All of those, all of those feelings I feel like were accentuated in fourth year and in my interview process. And also the question of why do you feel like you belong in our program or why do you feel like we should pick you, right? And it's like, I recognize how hard that was for me going through it again. And I recognize how daunting it is for yourself, Caitlin, to like thinking of going through it again. And I think a lot of it is the community around me, you know, a big part. And you mentioned a little bit about about that, but they do help ground me and remind me of why I'm doing this and recognizing that a lot of this isn't us. A lot of it is a system around us. And a lot of it is um, kind of, like I said, like the failure of the system around us, right? It's remembering like why I applied the first time and the second time and why I choose to apply the third time to medical school. You know, I remembered the women in my communities. I remembered back home and my family. I remembered like why I started this whole process. And I think I've said that in previous episodes, but sometimes in the hardest times, like going through like medical school, it was kind of remembering why I started doing this, remembering that identity as wanting to be a doctor, wanting to be a provider. And even like when I like ultimately chose OBGYN, it was wanting to be a woman's provider, right? It's hard to constantly remind yourself that, but it is something that you kind of feel like I need to like ground myself and remind myself every day, like why I'm still doing this. What you're saying really feels like it hits home. This like this, I guess you'd call it like imposter syndrome kind of thing where you really feel like 
after having to try and try and try to get into medical school, you already kind of have this like black mark on your shoulder where you're like, am I good enough? Like there's a small question, you know, in the back of your head that's like, it, it, it almost feels like you have like, it's like there's a set of rules that other people are maybe playing by and you're like, am I missing something? Like, <laughs> And so I really feel that where you're like, I don't know how to tell you that I'm good enough for your program, especially when I think a lot of us have a lot of respect for each other and a lot of like, you know, especially when there's so many qualified people, right? You're like, I think I can do this, but also like, why are you asking me to <laughs> tell you why I'm better than my classmates who are also awesome? You know, like, I think it's just like this funny, it's a funny question that again, is like one of those expected questions, but I've always thought is like kind of a weird question to be asking somebody. Like it, it really like brings out this like funny competitiveness aspect of the application process that I don't think should exist beyond or even like it should exist in the application process. But like, you know, like I think in medicine period, it's like, it's a very team oriented. So it seems like a funny competitive juxtaposition <laughs> to be like placing us in. Oh yeah. Like tell me why you're better. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know, like we're all different and great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as like what you're talking about, like regrounding yourself and like kind of figuring out how do I move through this? Like, how do I how do I keep going and how do I keep applying again and again and again? Um, like being able to reflect on like what those things are has been really important for me throughout this process. It was like, it's obviously, it, it feels impossible when you're in this situation. But I was so lucky because I feel like there were so many people that just came out of the woodwork to support me. Like they just showed up. Like people sent me gift baskets, like care packages. People offered to bring by food. Like people offered to look things up for me and helped me. Like I like crowdsourced information for these, like to personalize these applications. Um, and people helped look those things up for me so I could put together the best application that I could going forward. You and the rest of the OB cohort literally showed up at my house, like at my door to like bring me a care package and to give me hugs. And it was so powerful to see that community come together in a time of need where I, I feel like, you know, I think you have, I don't know, I just didn't realize how amazing that community would be in a time that I really needed it. I just had such overwhelming gratitude for the support that came out of like everybody during that week. I don't know. It, it's been something that I reflected on a lot and thought about a lot after match week that has kind of helped me move forward and helped me dispel a little bit of that, like shame and feeling of failure. Because when you zoom way, way out, what really matters at the end of the day, like if you're sitting on your deathbed, right? Like what is going to matter more than the relationships that you had with people or like the way that you like had positive interactions with people in your life. And for me, medicine has, you know, been the conduit to have those relationships and to like hopefully affect people's lives in positive ways, which is like another reason why I continue to pursue it. But if I have this like beautiful, amazing community that I have played some role in creating, <laughs> I must not be doing 
too many things wrong. Like I, I'm doing that right at least, you know, like, I don't know. It was just something that I really reflected on and was like, it just really struck me as being this kind of profound piece of the whole process. And that has helped me feel better about a very challenging thing to happen. <laughs> the, the first thing that came in our mind and all of us, like I remember a text from um, one of our friends in that OB cohort was like, this system is so messed up and it was never anything about you. Right. And I think that's like, as much as like, I remind myself that I like to remind yourself that as well, you know, and I think too, this is like, I wanted to do this episode and I wanted to like share this with like everyone else. Cause I know a lot of our listeners are in like a very similar process. And even if it's not necessarily like matching or like getting into medical school, but like any kind of type of like hiccup or obstacle that you can find on the way to like what we need to achieve. I think like reminding ourselves that like, you know, everything that we've talked about in this episode and um, kind of like regrounding ourselves in our identities and like the communities that are around us and the communities that we want to help. I think that goes a long way. And Caitlin, I don't think of you as like, oh yeah, like you need one more year and then you can be an OBGYN provider. It's more of like the system is what it is right now, but you are an incredible OBGYN provider already. And this is to everyone in whatever like specialty capacity or thing they're trying to achieve. You are already there. And you just kind of hold on to like that identity, like, and what that means to you. Thank you. That's really sweet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was just thinking about what you're saying, which is like being able to fall back on your identities um, when you're going through a challenging period can be applied really to so many situations. And I think about it a lot too. Like I think because OB was so competitive this year, there are a lot of people who fell on their lists and are not at programs that they were like super excited about. I think like what you were saying, it's like, all right, if I just zoom out and I remember that I still get to do those things that are my ultimate goals, which are what's important to me, i.e. community or like serving women in the, you know, in this community, XYZ goals. I think for me, it helps me feel reassured that like, I'm not a failure. I am moving in the right direction. And I think like a lot of people can apply that just to other others challenges that they might be going through, regardless of if that's like having to go through so quick, which like, I hope it's not, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Caitlin, so much for joining me today and having this conversation with me and sharing kind of, you know, what you went through and where you're at right now. I think it's truly valuable to hear from you and to share this as well. Um, thank you everyone for listening to us and follow us wherever you podcast, follow us at Instagram at bundle of hers. And I don't know, share with us if you do kind of stories of feeling inadequate or feeling like you have failed something kind of in your path. And we got these cute little pins power from identity that um, we would love to share with you as well in response. So, all right, that is it. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.